SEP Fanfic Readings presents Aurelian by Biddy Blue Eyes. Author notes for this chapter. Just a reminder, Fred did not die in the final battle of In Deathly Hollows. He's still kicking around the joke shop with George. This chapter picks up immediately where the last chapter left off. Chapter 2. Mummy? Sorry? Hermione asked in confusion. Merlin, I did not see that one coming, a dumbstruck Ron remarked. Mummy, please, Aurelian pleaded. Hermione took pity on the boy, though irritated with her friend's lack of helpfulness, and picked the child up. Merlin, she gasped. He's covered in blood. What happened? Are you okay? She took her hand off his cloak and stared at the blood-covered hand. Okay, Mummy. You okay? You okay, Mummy? The boy asked with a pathetic pout. Uh, er, yes, I... Hermione couldn't finish her thought. She was puzzled and grew increasingly worried by the situation. The boy seemed unconcerned by her stuttering and instead appeared to take comfort in her presence. He laid his head on her shoulder and nuzzled against her neck. Hello? Some help? She demanded irritably to the four adults before her. Ari, dear, I think the grown-ups need to talk. Why don't you come with me to the kitchen and I'll get you a snack? Would you like that? Molly offered pleasantly. Mummy? Aurelian asked as he looked to Hermione for permission. Hermione looked at Molly with a desperate, quizzical expression. I'm sure she doesn't mind, do you? Molly prompted. No, uh, of course, Hermione agreed slowly in her state of bewilderment. Molly held out her hand as Hermione gently lowered the boy to the floor. Mummy staying? Aurelian asked as he stared expectantly at Hermione. Yes, she's not going anywhere, Molly assured him. Now let's get to the kitchen. I just made some biscuits today. Would you like some? The conversation became nothing more than mumbling as they left the room. What is going on? Hermione asked uncomfortably. Uh, I don't know where to start, Harry admitted. How about with telling me who that child is? Hermione suggested petulantly. He, uh, well, see, I guess that's the tricky part, Ron answered. Try, Ronald, she insisted as she placed her hand on her hip. Well, we think he's yours, Ron swallowed hard and waited for another flare of her temper. What? That's ridiculous, Hermione scoffed, certain that her friend had truly lost his mind. Nice, Ron, Ginny said sardonically. He, his name is Aurelian. He, see, we're not exactly where he comes from. He just kind of showed up. He, well, he's wearing a time-turner. What? Where on earth would he get a time-turner? Hermione gasped. He said that his mother gave it to him, Ginny answered. From what we could get out of him, it looks like Death Eaters were chasing them. They ran in here and his mother sent him back with the time-turner, Harry continued. I thought that you said it couldn't be Death Eaters, Ginny reminded him. Her eyebrow cocked in a slight bite in her tone. That was before I knew he came from the future, Harry said, unperturbed by Ginny's attitude. And, well, we think you might be his mom. What? No, Hermione said defiantly. You jumped to that conclusion just because he called me mummy. Not many kids mistake a stranger for their parent, Hermione. I like that anyway. And really, it makes sense, doesn't it? If they were fleeing Death Eaters, how many people would come here? Ron tentatively offered. And, well, he does look a little like you. You're jumping to conclusions, Ronald, Hermione said tartly, unable to deny his logic. Is there anything else? Any other clues to where he comes from? Well, there's this, Harry said quietly, holding the forgotten wand in his hands for the others to see. He said that his mother told him not to let it go. Hermione gasped again. It's Bellatrix's wand! I know. Harry said quietly. But, but she's dead, Ginny said meekly. I know that, which raises the question of how he came to possess it. 
I don't think it's an accident that he came with this wand over any other. Especially, if Hermione's his mother, I'm sure it would be a clue of some sort, Harry reasoned, trying his best to be quiet the panicking feelings that arose inside him. Hermione's right that we can't jump to conclusions, but I really don't think I like this. Where do we start? Ginny asked, sharing Harry's nervousness. The blood, Harry answered. That blood is his mother's. We try to identify it. Harry didn't mention Hermione again, and he looked at her meaningfully. Hermione was beginning to feel queasy. She desperately wanted to deny the possibility, but being a logical person, she understood that she could not. Okay. Harry summoned a tiny vial from a nearby cupboard and handed it to Hermione. Hermione took a breath and drew her wand over her finger to make a small cut. She filled the small vial and sealed the wound on her finger. It was her job to test little vials like these for the magical law enforcement nearly every day. She never imagined that she'd ever need to have her own blood tested. I'll just get his cloak, Harry offered. Then we'll leave, Ron nodded. Do you mind if I change first? Hermione asked. She gestured to the blood on her blue top from having picked up Aurelian. Um, I think it's best for you to stay with Aurelian, Hermione. Harry started nervously, but sounded rather firm by the time he had finished the sentence. No matter what the results are, he still believes that you're his mother. He's really shaken. He needs you right now. Hermione looked rather panicked, and Harry placed a hand on her shoulder. I know this must feel strange to you. It feels strange to us, too. But if we're going to figure this out, then we need to get all that we can from him. He's at ease around you. I think he'll open up to you, Harry said seriously. But Harry, I'm, I'm not really good with kids. I mean, I've never really spent time with young children, Hermione admitted. Her nervous habit manifested as she bit her lip anxiously. Mum will be here, Ron reminded her. Ginny, too. Just, just talk to him. Hermione nodded and walked into the kitchen with the others. Mummy, you're back, Aurelian shouted joyfully and stood on his chair at the table. I got biscuits. You want biscuits, Mummy? Um, no, thank you, Hermione answered with a forced smile. Aurelian, I'm going to need to take your cloak. I tried to take it off, but he said his mom would, Molly answered apologetically. Yes, I'll get it. Hermione walked over to where he stood on the wooden chair, undid his blue striped scarf, and draped it over her arm. She then unbuttoned his cloak and removed it from his tiny shoulders as she tried the best to ignore his expression of pure adoration. Okay, now Harry's just going to borrow these for a little while, okay? The boy pouted slightly at the thought. But what if I want to go outside? Don't worry, love, it's a beautiful sunny day. You won't need that cloak for quite some time, Molly assured him. Hermione, despite her discomfort, couldn't take her eyes off the child. She handed the cloak and scarf to Harry without looking back at him. They were right. He did look a little like her. He had her button nose and long lashes. His hair was light brown with a slight golden tint to it. Though it was lighter, it was still somewhat akin to her own. It wasn't frizzy or thick, but it still had a hint of curl to it. Hermione heard Harry and Ron offer some kind of goodbye as they left, but she was still focused on the boy who had started to tell and show her something about the chocolate biscuit in his hand. Hermione swallowed hard as she stared at the dried blood on his face, and before she could stop herself, she tentatively reached out to cup his face. A silent sob escaped her when her fingers matched perfectly to the dried print on his cheek. She didn't need any more proof. She knew he was hers. Sorry, dear, Molly apologized and broke Hermione out of her thoughts. I thought of washing his face, but then I thought it'd be better to put him in the bath after this. A bath? Aurelian asked excited. I can have a bath? Of course, Ginny smiled. No scroungy little critters are allowed to run about this house. Aurelian giggled as Ginny tickled him. For some reason, it made Hermione feel even more uncomfortable. Ginny seemed so much more at ease around him than she felt. She had heard that Mrs. Weasley had taken to doing some babysitting once the twins had started school, so she assumed that Ginny had had a lot of exposure to the young children. 
but it didn't help her own feelings of inexperience. Yes, as soon as you're done with your snack, we'll run a bath, Hermione informed him. I'm done, Aurelian smiled brightly, discarding his half-eaten biscuit at the table in anticipation for a good splash in the tub. Um, all right then, Hermione said uncomfortably. Don't worry, I'll give you a hand, Ginny offered reassuringly. Hermione nodded gratefully to her friend, thankful that Ginny had picked up on her unease. It simply won't do to change him back into those dirty clothes when you're through. I think I might have some of the boys' clothes that size still up in the attic, Molly said thoughtfully. I'll just have a look. The girls watched Molly disappear up the stairs and turned back to Aurelian. Ready, the boy cried excitedly. Hermione offered him her hand, and when he took it, he made an exaggerated jump off his chair and raced toward the stairs, pulling her behind him. Despite Aurelian's enthusiasm, it was a slow march up to the third floor where the bathroom was located. Hermione had just started to run the water when Aurelian began to impatiently tug his robes over his head. Hold on there, Hermione chuckled and pulled the robes back down a little. You have to let me unbutton them first. She had only undone two buttons before he tugged them over his head again. He got farther this time, but still needed help to extract his arms from the tangled material. Hermione and Ginny tried not to giggle. Seems you've got a tornado's fan on your hands, Ginny smiled as she gestured to the navy and sky-blue underpants that had matched his scarf. He turned to smile at Ginny and Hermione and noticed the signature T.T. on the back. You like tornadoes? Aurelian asked excitedly. No, I happen to be a Harpies supporter myself, Ginny admitted. You like Quidditch, do you? Mm-hmm, he answered as he climbed into the tub. Daddy likes tornadoes, too. Ginny and Hermione were both shocked by this statement. Both, of course, had wondered briefly who his father might be, but so many things were happening that they hadn't dedicated much thought to it. Aurelian made no notice of the change in atmosphere as he continued. You have toys, Mummy? For the bath? What? Uh, no, sorry, Hermione answered. Aunt Ginny, you have toys? He asked. Both girls were surprised again. Aunt Ginny? Hermione asked, her eyes wide. You, you know me? Ginny pried. Aurelian nodded, confused by their stunned expressions. You have toys? He asked again. Um, no, but, but I have bubbles. Would you like bubbles for your bath? Ginny offered. Yes, please. Definitely yours, Ginny chuckled. Never met a toddler that used manners without prompting. Uh, Aurelian, Hermione started hesitantly. Um, tell me about your dad. Daddy? Hermione nodded. What's his name? Aurelian laughed at the question. Daddy, he said as though it were obvious. Right, well, what does he look like? Hermione bit her lip, her stomach doing flips. The boy stopped his splashing and pursed his lips and thought. Big. Big, Hermione said flatly. That really didn't help. Really big, Aurelian continues as he stretched his arms up as high as he could. He picks me way up so I can touch the ceiling. Well, not at home. The ceiling is too high. Home? Hermione asked as she tried to visualize everything. Mm-hmm. It's way big, too. So tall as the burrow. My ceiling in my room is high, too. The stars blink, blink down on me from my ceilings, Aurelian said proudly. Sounds fun. Is that your favorite part? Hermione asked with a soft smile. The past few minutes had allowed her to feel a little more comfortable with him. No, I like my Quidditch rug best. It looks like real Quidditch ground. I wish it could have deceits, but you say I can't lay on it. I like it to play with my Quidditch people with Daddy. One time, my Crawford flew right into Daddy's eye. He said not to told you he cried, Aurelian babbled on. Ginny snorted in amusement as she re-entered the room with a bottle of bubble syrup. Sounds like a typical male. Aurelian was quickly distracted by the bubbles, and Hermione almost forgot that she was actually supposed to clean him. 
That part felt most awkward of all. She thought that perhaps she should strike up more conversation to help. So, Daddy is big and likes Quidditch. She left the statement open and hoped he would continue. And he a good tickler, Aurelian smiled. His grin fell quickly, though. Mommy, when Daddy be back? I don't know, she replied uncertainly. She tried to think back to the scene when the others had told them about Aurelian's arrival. Was he there with them when he sent Aurelian back with the time-turner? Is he still into castle? Aurelian pouted. Castle? What castle? Hermione inquired. The castle in the clouds, he answered, his pout becoming more pronounced. At this, Hermione found it quite difficult to breathe. Aurelian? What happened to your daddy? Ginny asked apprehensively. He went away when the scary people came. Mummy said that the angels took him and Uncle Fwed to the castle in the clouds, he explained. Hermione's insides swam. She didn't know who this man was, but still felt a great loss. And Fred, he had to mean. I think bath time is over, Ginny said quietly. Hermione nodded and silently took the proffered towel from Ginny. One glance at the other girl and she knew that she was having a difficult time breathing as well. Mum, she called in a voice that was a little higher than normal. Right here, Molly appeared and handed over a set of faded blue robes and a tiny pair of red underpants. And I found a few things you might want to see, Hermione. Hermione nodded. Don't worry, Ginny said. I'll dress him and put him down for a nap. No, no nap, Aurelian loudly protested. Yes, Aurelian, it's been a long day for you. You need a rest, Hermione stated firmly. Ginny dried him off in a plush towel and said, Don't worry, you won't miss anything. And when you wake, it'll be time for dinner, okay? Mummy staying? He checked. Yes, I'll be here, Hermione answered, still uncomfortable with being addressed as mummy. She left the room and followed Mrs. Weasley down a couple flights of stairs, where she stopped on the first floor landing outside Ginny's room. I found some things as I was getting ready to launder his clothing. I thought you might want to have a look at them, Molly said softly as she held out her hand. Hermione opened her palm and accepted four items. The first, of course, was the time-turner. Hermione pocketed it and looked at the other three items. Her stomach twisted in knots again. In her hand was a ring, a bottle, and a folded piece of paper. I didn't read it, Molly assured her. I was afraid it might be private. At this, Mrs. Weasley left Hermione alone. Hermione watched her go back upstairs, probably to help Ginny, before she entered Ginny's room for privacy. She looked around the room, uncertain of what she would actually do. Part of her chomped at the bit to examine the items closer, while the other part of her dreaded what the answers the items might hold. She sat down gingerly on the side of Ginny's bed and took a deep breath before she opened her hand again. The ring. She picked the ring up and examined it closely. She stared at it in awe. It was beautiful, an antique ring made of platinum in an intricate Edwardian filigree design, with a single brilliant cut cognac diamond in the setting. Upon further examination, she found the words, Eternally Yours, inscribed inside. This ring could be anything, she told herself, but no matter how she tried to convince herself of it, she was certain that it was her wedding ring. The onslaught of emotions made her feel ill, so she pocketed the ring quickly. She then examined the small vial and something jumped inside her. This was what they needed. Memories. The swirling substance inside was a collection of memories. Whose, she wasn't sure. But she knew that this was a crucial piece of the puzzle. After she pocketed that too, she hesitantly opened the paper and immediately wished she hadn't. It was a news clipping. The headline stared up at her in bold newsprint. Greatest tragedy in wizard history. She could barely bring herself to read it. Greatest tragedy in wizard history. The nation mourns today, and wizards around the world grieve with us as the gravity of yesterday's attack crushes us all. 
Yesterday, April 19, 2006, at 1.15 a.m., the news reached our office that Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry was not only attacked, but completely destroyed, taking with it the lives of over 200 students and teachers, including the beloved headmistress, Minerva McGonagall. Officials say that it was a well-plotted massacre. Each of the house common rooms were targeted with cursed fire, leaving no escape for the sleeping students, and no chance to fight against it. We all pray for justice, an end to this unending war, but after such a devastating, heart-rending blow, this reporter wonders if anyone will ever find the strength to wake to another day. No, Hermione breathed. At a knock at the door, Hermione looked up to see Harry and Ron in the open doorway. We just got back, Ron announced, appearing quite nervous. Hermione? Harry started with a condoling tone. I know, Harry, Hermione said softly. I know he's mine. Harry and Ron exchanged a quiet glance, unsure of how to approach their subdued friend. He had some more things on him. You should probably have a look, Hermione told the two of them. The boys cautiously stepped forward. It's worse than we imagined. She handed Harry the newspaper clipping and watched his hand become unsteady. Harry looked up at her, his eyes hard, as he stated with firm resolve, This will never happen.